Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Well, who's ready for Christmas? Come on. Who's ready? I tell you what, if you're not ready for Christmas after that band, come on, they were hot, man. I tell you what, awesome stuff. Did you know it is only eight days till Christmas? And you know what that means? That means it's only six days till our first Christmas Eve service. Come on, right? And I'm excited about that. I would challenge you, before we get into the message today, I would challenge you, invite someone to Christmas Eve service, either on Saturday night or next Sunday in our Sunday morning Christmas Eve services. I'm telling you, there are people who will not go to church any other time of year who would go on Christmas if you would just invite them. And so I know many of you have friends and family and people that you know who need to experience the love and the grace of God. And if you invite them, they will come. So just pray. Let God show you who they are. Invite them to come. And we're going to have a great time together. And today, here's what we're doing. We are continuing in this series. It's really our Christmas series for this year. It's called All is Calm. So everybody say, All is Calm. All is calm. Now, how many know where that comes from, right? It comes from Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. And I think about that line, it's really kind of a humorous line when you really think about it, because the truth is it's incredibly unrealistic, isn't it? Like, when was the last time all was calm in your life? I don't know about you, but there's not been very many times when all was calm in my life. I know most of the time in my life, I have some things that are calm, and then I have a whole bunch of things that are chaotic. Come on, am I the only one? And the truth of the matter is, I mean, a lot of times we look at life and we think, well, you know, there's ups and downs, and there's hills, and there's valleys, and there's mountaintops, and there's low experiences. But I really think that's kind of a poor metaphor for what life is like. In fact, I really think life is more like a a set of train tracks. Like you got the good and you got the bad and they're all happening at the same time. Come on, right? And isn't that the kind of way it is in life that, man, there's very rarely a time in life when all is calm. There's good, there's bad, there's stuff that's just constantly going on in life. And I don't know if I'm like you, but the truth is for me, all can even be calm in my life sometimes, but not be calm in my mind. Come on, you ever been there? Like even when circumstances in life are good, there are times that I can still be experiencing anxiety, fear, worry, struggles, like in my mind that I'm struggling with. And it might even be like the situations of life are good, but my, but my mind is still filled sometimes with anxiety and worry. In fact, I know that sometimes like when things are good, I actually worry about when they're going to be bad, right? Or sometimes when things are good, I'm like worried, like maybe they're too good. Maybe there's something going on that, that I don't know about. Or if I'm not worried, I'm like, maybe I should be more worried. Come on, right? And some of you, it's like we carry this around all the time, this, this anxiety and, and this worry. And so it, it could be that even there's a calm in our life at times, but sometimes there's not very much calm for our, for our thoughts and for our minds. In fact, I came across uh, an article a while back that, that basically stated this. It said that, that most Americans, in, in fact, in this generation, more than any other generation that has gone before us, it says that, that it deals with a constant low-grade depression. And then it said it like this. It said, nothing is really wrong 
but nothing is really right. And some of you are here today and that's kind of your life. You're like, man, it's like I can't put my finger on something that's really, really wrong. But yet still in my mind, I'm struggling with it doesn't just feel right. Like there's there's worry and there's fear and there's stress and there's anxiety. And, you know, some of you, maybe it's stuff from your past and maybe it's hurts or relationships or maybe it's failures in your past that just continue to just kind of weigh down on your spirit and on your mind. Others of you, maybe it's stuff that's happening in the present and it's like, man, I got the bills to pay and we got Christmas coming up and we got family and we got stuff and that's just kind of weighing down on your mind and your emotions. Others of you, it's like, it's like the anxiety about the future and like what's going to happen next year and what's going to happen with my job or what's going to happen in my, in our country and, and all this stuff that, that truly weighs down on us and keeps us from having the kind of peace that God wants us to have. And last week we talked about a peace for our soul, but, but what about the peace for our minds? Today I want to, I want to give you some good news. How many are, how many are glad for good news, right? I'm give you some good news. And the good news is there is a peace that is available for your mind. That God wants to, even if you're struggling with anxiety and fear and worry, that God wants to bring you Peace. In fact, look what the scripture has to say about it in the book of Romans chapter eight and verse six. It, it says this, it says the mind governed by, governed by the spirit is what is life and what? And like two of you helped me with that. Come on, let's do this better. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. peace. Here's what the Bible says, that if we're following Jesus and if our life has been governed by the spirit, Spirit of God, that it, the result of that ought to be that we, that we are living a life filled with his peace. I want to talk about that for just a little bit today. And I want to talk about the fact that even in the midst of chaos in our world, we can still have peace in our minds. And I want us to look at this. It's kind of a famous passage of scripture. It's found in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there to Philippians chapter 4. You can also follow along in your LifeGate app or on the screen, your notes or whatever here today. And and what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about how do we have this kind of peace. I want us to look at a few things that that kind of have an effect on the peace in our mind. And then look at a strategy that Paul gives us in this passage for having peace in our hearts. Let's let's look at it together in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the what? Everybody say it out loud. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? And your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about such things and whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the what and the peace of God will be with you. Paul's talking about, hey, there is peace that is available for you. It's a peace that even transcends all of our human understanding. That even in the midst of difficult situations, even when chaos is happening in our lives, that there can actually be peace in our minds and in our hearts. And I want to talk about it for just a little bit today. And I want to start by just talking about three things that can really have a great effect on our peace. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first one is this, write this down, your food. Everybody say your food. 
Now, some of you are like, well, no, 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 well, your food, what? No, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about what you're going to eat after this service is over. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about what you feed into your mind. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. What you feed will determine how you feel. Man, that was so good. Y'all should have said amen right there. I'm telling you, that's so good. What you feed will determine how you feel. And the problem for many of us, the reason we are struggling with anxiety and worry and fear in our minds is because we're constantly feeding it. The stuff that we are putting in our hearts and our minds that we are constantly feeding on negative stuff that that feeds the greatest fears of our life. I mean, just think about it. What do we what do we do nowadays when we're bored? What do we do? We pull out our phone and what do we do? We scroll through. What do we scroll through? Facebook. In fact, it's even called a Facebook feed. Come on. You see what I did there? Right. That's good. Right. And what do we, I mean, what's on Facebook? Mostly, what are we, what are we getting? People complaining and stuff happening in the news and what's going on with the, whatever's going on in the world. And we constantly feed that into our hearts and into our spirits. And then what do we do when we put down our phone? We turn on the radio and what do we got? We talk radio where they're talking about this and that and the other. And then we turn off the radio, we go home. What do we do? We turn on the TV and whatever, whatever it is for you, CNN, Fox News, whatever it is that you got on on the TV. And that stuff is designed to try to hook you in to actually feed on your worst fears, to give you the worst case scenarios of what could happen to suck you in. Come on. And we fill our lives full of this stuff. We feed on it constantly. And then we wonder why we're so anxious and stressed out all the time. And it comes down to like, what are we feeding our souls? What are we putting in our minds? What are we feeding our spirits? Number two, right? This one now, it's not just, it's not just our food, but but it's our focus. In fact, if you take a note, you might write this down. Your food will become your focus and your focus will become your feelings and your feelings will become your actions. Here's the deal. What you're feeding on is eventually going to become what you focus on. And guess what? What you focus on will become how you feel. In fact, this is why Paul was talking about this in this passage. He's talking about having peace. And then right in the middle of that passage, he he talks about what you're thinking about. He talks about, hey, things that are good and worthy and and praiseworthy, things that are things that are a blessing, things that are pure and honorable and right. And think on those things. What's he talking about? He's talking about your focus. Like your life is going to move in the direction of your strongest focus. That's what I like. I like the way Craig Rochelle says it. He says, your, your, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And isn't it true? Like what you're thinking about, that's where you're going to end up. It's gonna, that's, the way, that's the way you're going to feel. And then that's the way you're going to end up acting. Like, I mean, what you focus on. Like, like how, many remember, how many remember driver's ed? You remember going to driver's ed? Some of you, that was a long time ago, right? And you go to driver's ed and it teaching you to drive. What, what do they teach you? First thing is like hands on the wheel, 10 and 2. You remember that? Right? And then what do, they, what do they say? They say, where do they want you to put your eyes? Not just at the end of the car or not just even a couple of car lengths down the road. What do they do? They want you to put your eyes down the road a little ways, like down the horizon. And why do they teach you that? They teach you that because they know where you're looking or where you're focusing is eventually where you're going to be, where you're going to be going. In fact, some of you, when you're driving, you get distracted by something on the right hand side of the road. And you know, if your eyes are looking to the right, where's your car going to go? 
go to the right. If your eyes are looking to the left, he's going to go to the left. Some of your eyes are looking down at your phone while you're driving. I know, right? And, and, And here's the deal. The focus of your life will become the direction of your life. And many of us, the reason we're struggling with anxiety is because we're feeding our spirit full of all this stuff and it becomes the focus, which then becomes the feeling, which then becomes the direction of our lives. Number three, write this one down. Here's what affects our peace is our friends. Guess what? It's the people in your life that you hang around. In fact, just look at your neighbor. Tell them it's all your fault. (laughs) Look Look what Paul says. Verse nine. Some of y'all didn't have to mean it quite so much there. (laughs) Look what he says, verse nine. He says, do what you learned and received from me. What I told you and what you saw me do. And then this is what's going to happen. The God who gives peace will be with you. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, get good influences in your life. You've seen me teach you some stuff. Get some other people like me to get in your life and do what they're doing. See, see, here's the deal. If you're hanging around people who are constantly negative and critical and complaining, guess what's going to happen? That's who you're going to become. That's how you're going to feel. Those are the thoughts you're going to have. But if you get around people who are constantly positive and constantly grateful and constantly thinking about the good things, then guess what? It's going to affect your thoughts and your attitude as well. In fact, it reminds me of a, of a story I read one time in a John Maxwell book that I was that I was reading. And he tells about how several years ago in uh, California, in the Monterey area, they have what is what is now famously known as Cannery Row. Some of you may have heard of that before. And, the, and what it was, was that all along this coastline, they had all of these canneries where they would they would fish and they would catch the fish. And then they would they would bring them into the cannery and they would clean the fish, put them in, put them in cans and stuff. And then what they would do is like, you know, the waste and stuff, they would just throw it out into the ocean. And what happened was that the the pelicans that lived in that area, they loved living there because they didn't have to work really hard or hunt very hard for their food. They just, I mean, the canneries would throw the extra out and they would just swoop down and get it. And that was good for a while until the, the fish started drying up. And when the fish started drying up, then the canneries started closing down. And one by one, as those canneries closed down, then what happened to the pelicans is they started starving because they didn't know how to hunt for their food. And the environmentalists were trying to figure out how do we help these pelicans to, to, so that they're not dying off. And so they tried all kinds of stuff until finally they came to the solution that worked. And what they did was they took pelicans from another part of the country who were used to, who were used to hunting and foraging for their food. And they transported them in and intermingled them with the, with the local pelicans. And it wasn't long till the local pelicans were doing what the non-local pelicans were doing. And they were hunting for their own food once again. You talk about birds of a feather flock together, right? (laughs) And here's the deal, guys. It's the same for you. Your attitude, your thoughts, the anxiety, the peace in your heart and mind many times is going to be determined by the people you hang around. This is why it's so important you get in church. It's why it's so important you get into a life group, a men's group, a women's group. You get good, godly, positive people around you so that even in the midst of the chaos of your life, you can have a peace and a calm in your spirit and in your mind. So some of you say, oh, that sounds good, pastor. Like those are, those are good tips, but like you don't know what's going on in my situation. You don't know my life. Like you don't know the chaos that I'm dealing with. How can I have peace in the middle of the struggle that I'm facing, the chaos in my life? Well, right here in this passage, 
Paul actually gives us a, a strategy for how to live a life of peace. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three things from this passage. The first one is this. If you want to have peace in your mind, if you're struggling with worry and anxiety, here's what you need to do. First and foremost, you just need to do what God asks you to do. Everybody say it. Do what God asked me to do. Do what God asks you to do. See, here's what we do a lot of times, especially like in church, we give the real churchy kind of answer. In fact, sometimes we get like super spiritual about this stuff. And so we go, okay, man, I'm stressed about this stuff going on in my life and there's all this bad stuff happening. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to give it to God and just let God take care of it. Right. And we're going to talk about that in a second. That is important. But guess what? Before you do that, guess what? Sometimes there's stuff that God asks you to do, right? Like, I'm worried about my, my finances, and I lost my job, and, and pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, well, have you made a resume? Well, no, I'm just waiting on God to just give me a job, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, have you, have you gone out and got online? Have you talked to, have you, what? You know, no, I'm waiting on God. Well, I'm worried about my, man, I get this stuff. I'm worried about my, my marriage, and I just don't know what I'm going to do, and it's falling apart. And I'm like, well, have you made an appointment with a counselor? Have you talked to someone? Have you read a book about marriage? Have you taken your wife on a date? I mean, what have you done something, right? And so many times we're just like, I'm just going to let God do it. And that's a part of it. But sometimes it starts with going, hey, I'm worried about this thing going on, my, on in my life. And I'm going to find out what does God want me to do? And I'm going to do that first. If there's something I can do, then I'm going to do that, Right? And then right here in this passage, it actually teaches us that there are some things that we can do when we're struggling with anxiety and fear and worry. What does it say that we can do? It tells us that we can think the right way, right? It says whatever things are good and pure and noble and lovely and admirable and all those things, think on those things. You're like, I don't know what I can do. Well, you can, first of all, just change the way that you're thinking. Instead of focusing on the negative, you can start focusing on good things. You can maybe instead of, instead of watching the Fox News, you can turn that off and open up your Bible and fill your spirit, feed your spirit with the things of God. Come on. What else can I do? I can pray. Look what it says right here in verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by what? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God well pastor I guess the only thing I can do is pray that's the best thing you can do right like I'm in the middle of this situation what am I going to do I'm going to do what God asked me to do I'm going to think the right way I'm going to pray I'm going to let her see I'm going to do what's wise That'd be a good thing. Maybe I'm going to read my Bible and, and, and see what the Bible says about marriage and actually do that. <laughs> I'm going to maybe read a little Proverbs and see what the Proverbs has to say about, about finances and maybe start doing that. Man, we're in debt and I don't know what to do. Well, are you tithing? Are you on a budget? Come on, right? I'm going to do what God asks me to do. And this is what I'm going to do. Number two, I'm going to, after I've done what God asked me to do, I'm going to give to God what I cannot do. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. Then I'm going to give to God what I can't do. Look what Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 6. Do not worry about anything. Everybody say anything. Do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Look at this word. It's such an important word. He says, don't worry about anything. Now, let me ask you, what does anything include? Anything. 
Everything. I mean, would that include what you were worried about last month? Would it, would it include what you were worried about last week? Would it include what you're worried about last night? Would it include what you're worried about right now? Would it include your family? Would it include your marriage? Would it include your finances? Your health? Do not worry about anything. See, here's the deal. There are some things we can do something about, and we should do something about the things that God asks us to do something about. But there are some things we can't do anything about. So what do we do? Sitting around and worry? Does that help? No, no, no. What do we do? We give that to God. So let's just do, let's just do a little exercise here today. And you help me out by saying, by saying yes or no to some of these things. Can you heal your sick loved one? No. Can you change your spouse all by yourself and fix your marriage? Some of you have tried that. No, that don't work. Can you protect your kids from all the dangers of this world? Can you ensure that you're never going to get laid off, never going to have a financial situation, or the economy is never going to go bad? No. Can you fix the government and all the problems in our country? No. So what are you going to do? I'm going to recognize, hey, what I can do, and I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And then the things that I can't do, I'm going to give them to God. Hey, the truth is today, man, I can't guarantee that the economy is never going to go bad or I'm never going to lose my job. But here's what I can do. I can live beneath my means and I can stay on a budget and I can honor God with the tithe. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give to give the rest of it to God and let him take care of it. And I'm going to trust his promises that say he's going to take care of us in every situation. Man, I can't guarantee my kids are going to grow up and love Jesus and marry the right person and, and always be healthy. But here's what I know I can do. I can bring them to church and I can live. I can live according to the ways of God. I can be an example for them. I can pray for them. I can teach them the things of God and then I can give them over uh, to God to work in their lives. And I can trust the promise in Proverbs that says if I train up a child in the way they should go, that in the end they won't depart from it. Man, I can't foresee or control all the things, the circumstances that are going to happen in the future. But here's what I can do. I can obey God's word. I can live a wise life according to what his word says. And then I can give my future to a loving God who knows and loves me. Man, I can't guarantee that I'm never going to get sick or never going to have some kind of debilitating disease. But here's what I can do. I can take care of my health. I can eat less and exercise more. Hallelujah. I can go to the doctor regularly and then I can trust God with my life. You see what I'm saying? There are things I can do and things that I can't do. But here's what I do. I do what God asks me to do. And then I give to God everything that I cannot do. And what does Paul say will be the result of that? He says, if we pray about everything instead of worrying about everything, here's what's going to happen. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give to God what I cannot do. Number three, here's what I'm going to do. No matter what. Everybody say it. No matter what. No matter what. I'm going to trust God. So here's the deal, guys. There are times... When I do all that I can do, man, I pray, I think on the right things, I honor God with my finances, I, whatever, I do all that I can do. I give to God what I can't do, and things still don't work out the way I wanted them to. You ever experienced that? And man, what do I do? Like, man, I did all the right stuff, and my loved one still died. 
Like I did all this stuff you're talking about, pastor. And we still went through bankruptcy. I still lost my job. My marriage still fell apart. My kids still walked away from the Lord. I did all that stuff. I did what I could do and I honored God with it. And I gave it all to God and things still didn't work out the way that I wanted them to work out. What do I do then? I'll tell you what you do then. You still, no matter what, you trust God. You trust that even when situations in your life are not good, that he is still good. That even when you don't understand what's going on, that he still has a plan and his ways and his plans are better and higher than my ways and my plans. And even when things don't work out the way I wanted them to work out, I'm still going to trust that he is good and he is with me in every situation of my life. In fact, this is what the scripture says in Proverbs, one of my favorite passages of scripture. Many of you probably know it by heart in Proverbs chapter three and verse five. Look what it says. It says, trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart and do what? And lean not on your own understanding. Some of you are here today. And the reason that you're so freaked out in your mind is because you're going by what you can understand. And what you see and what makes sense to you and you're stressed out and there's no peace in your heart and mind. And the reason is you're trying to figure it out on your own. And the scripture says, hey, no matter what happens in your life, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on what you know, but with all of your heart, trust in God that he is good even when the situation of my life doesn't look good. And then I'm going to not lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to get me where he wants me to go. He's going to make my path straight. Like what one old preacher said, even when you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his hearts. I think this is what Paul is trying to tell us in this passage. Hey, don't be anxious about anything. Like, like there is a peace that he wants to give you that goes beyond anything that you can even understand in your mind. In fact, if we just back up just a couple of verses before what we studied today, he, he sets the whole thing up for us. In, in verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. He says, this is so important that I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. And then look what he says. He says, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all for what? For the. Lord is near. Can I help you today? Man, there's, there's times when you're not going to understand. You know, in those times you rejoice in the Lord anyway. Always. And here's what will happen. The presence of God will be near in the middle of that situation. I may not understand what's going on. I may not have peace. I may have chaos going on all around me. But I can have peace in my heart and my spirit because the presence of God is with me. That God is near. And isn't this really what Christmas is all about? I mean, this time of year, isn't this what we're celebrating? That Emmanuel, God himself, came down to this earth, took on human form. To what? To be with us. And it doesn't mean we'll understand everything, but it means that even when we don't understand, he's still there. And we can stand upon that promise. In fact, it reminds me, even of the story of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. I mean, think about the anxiety that he must have felt in his heart. Here he is, like he's just going about his normal life and an angel appears to him. First of all, that'll make you feel a little anxious. And what's the angel say? The angel says, you're going to have a son. You're not even married yet. This is not even going to be your, your blood son. And he, what he's going to be is he's going to be actually the son of God. Can you imagine? That was a little freak out moment probably for Joseph there. Can you imagine what he's thinking? 
Like he's thinking, well, how can I be the father to, to someone like this? And, and what about Mary? And, and men in those days, if you had a child out of wedlock, you could be basically disowned and shut off by yourself. I mean, think of all the stuff that was going on in, in Joseph's mind. But what did Joseph do? He did what God asked him to do. What did, what did he do? He married Mary. He raised Jesus as his own. What did he do? He gave to God what he couldn't do. In fact, in a very early age in Jesus' life, they dedicated him to the Lord. He gave it to, gave it to the Lord. And even when he didn't understand it, even when things didn't work out, he, he continued to trust God. And I can imagine, man, there were times as Jesus, was, can you imagine raising the Son of God and times when he would just have to say, I don't understand it. I don't know, but I'm trusting you. And what were the angels' words of comfort to him in that moment of anxiety? What were they? That his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Some of you got some anxiety going on in your situations, in your family, some chaos in your life. And here's the peace that you can have that even in the midst of it, if you'll just, if you'll do what God asks you to do, and if you'll give to him what you can't do, and even when you don't understand, continue to trust him. Here's what you can know. He is with you. 